0: Welcome to the Healthy You Gatherings podcast. We are told in John 16, that we will have troubles. And Jesus confirms that by saying, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Healthy You Gatherings allows us to come together and explore complex and difficult topics. Find benefit in learning from the one who's overcome the world, who understands that a biblical perspective will help us find peace amidst life's everyday issues. Well, hey everybody, welcome to another installment of Healthy You Gathering's podcast, and today we're going to talk about conflict. And um, probably one of the most common things that I see and work with with folks, whether it's a, a couple or whether it's a family or an individual, is Um, How to deal with conflict, um, because as we'll talk about today, um, when we are in conflict, the logical side of our brain has a tendency to go dark and the emotional side and that uh, could be fear comes up, it could be feeling like I need to protect myself, could be like I feel like I need to attack, um, starts to take over. And so if you've ever had a situation where later after a conflict you thought about it and you wished you had said or done something different, this may be um, somewhat helpful to you. If you'll take a look at your PowerPoint that comes with the podcast, you can follow along with me as I go from slide to slide. Uh, Slide two, what do we hope to learn today? Uh, One, we want to recognize the different strategies of dealing with conflict. Uh, Two, we want to learn effective methods for decreasing the occurrences of conflict. Now, you notice the difference between those two things. One is, if we're in conflict, how do we deal with it? The second one is, hey, how could we keep it from happening in the first place? And uh, that's kind of what number three Uh, identify ways to diffuse the conflict once it's present. So we have a, hopefully, before it happens, while it happens, and then after it happens. So what is conflict? It's interesting. Um, This is slide three. As a noun, when you think of conflict, it's a quarrel, uh, it's a dispute, it's a serious disagreement or an argument, right? So we had a conflict. That's noun. Verb, which is um, slide four, is to clash or to be incompatible. So conflict can be both a noun or a verb. And so knowing both of those, let's take a look at our strategies for conflict and how to deal with that. And that's slide five. But here's a question I want you to consider. What is my attitude toward conflict? You know, most people uh, don't want to deal with conflict, but when it comes, you know, they'll deal with it. Some people are conflict aversive and they'll do anything to keep from being in conflict, even uh, something that is not healthy for them. And then you have other people who are ready to get into a fist fight uh, anytime there's a disagreement. So where are you on that? I think slide six will be very helpful for you. Um, and if you want to like make a copy of this and have it somewhere, you, you might find this to be very informative for you and the people in your life. So what you see is you see this chart and, um, the top of the chart goes from having low concern for others to having high concern for others. On the left-hand side of the chart, you'll see that it goes from having low concern for self to having a high concern for self, right? So, and then you see five words. So let's take a uh, look at um, avoiding, okay, which is in the bottom left-hand corner. When we are avoiding, what we are doing is we are having a low concern for ourself and for the other person because we're not resolving it right? So what begins to happen is things begin to build up. We can get health issues uh, because uh, we're not dealing with stuff. We certainly can get emotional and mental issues. And so even though people think that avoiding it is what's best or that somehow that's what's going to be best in the moment, really what that is is I really am not being good to myself or the other person because we're not we're not we're not making any progress. We're not doing anything to make it better. If you look in the top left, you see the word competing. Um, this is where you want to win, and you have a high concern for yourself. You have a high concern for how things are going to impact you, but you're not really thinking about how it's going to concern uh, the other person. And so what you find is that people who um, their attitude toward conflict is that they're going to win. Um, sometimes these people can be very hurtful to other people. Uh, they can say things that are mean. They can say things to shut other people down. Um, and sometimes they'll go back to avoiding, actually. They'll, they'll come out very competing, and then they'll back up to avoiding. And when that happens, it can be very confusing for somebody else who is not doing that. Um, what you find in the bottom right-hand corner is the word accommodating. And this is where you have a low concern for yourself, but you have a higher concern for the other person. This looks really good on the surface because what you see is this is a person that seems like they're a peacemaker and that they really don't stay in conflict long and they seem pretty easy to get along with. But the problem with that over the long term is... These people have a tendency to shift back to avoiding because what they're hoping for is that the other person is going to also be accommodating at some level. And it may not happen Because if the other person, let's say, is a, is a computer, is competing, then they win when this person accommodates. And there's nothing wrong with, um, with wanting to be accommodating, but you can't be accommodating to the point where your voice isn't being heard and that you're not being able to process things. If you're always concerned about the other person and you accommodate it, first it looks good, but over the long term it it could be kind of hurtful. Uh, the top right is where you have a high concern for yourself and for others, and we would use the word collaborating. That's what we're looking for. We want to collaborate when we are having an issue to where, um, if you want to use the phrase win-win situation, you have a situation where both people come out um, feeling heard and you find something that's mutually beneficial. And then you'll notice in the middle the, um, the word compromising, and you notice it touches all four of those, those boxes. That's probably where most people end up. Because let's say you're an accommodating person and uh, your spouse or your significant other or a friend of yours is a uh, uh, competes all the time. You two will probably come closer. If you can come closer to each other, you can end up in that middle box and come to a compromise. Ultimately, we want that compromise to lead to something where you collaborate. And so... It may take some time to get there, but you also have to be aware of where you are in this box so that you can, um, begin to, again, with good, good relationships, begin to acknowledge that, Hey, I'm more of an avoider or, you know, I'm always competing with you like that awareness and asking, obviously asking God for help, but also start compromising, start trying to find some middle ground and then learn how to get to that top right place where you're collaborating. If you look at slide seven, uh, I'm going to read James 4, 1 through 3, and he's talking about why we have these fights. And then I'm going to break down certain uh, phrases from each of the verses. So this is the NIV, it's James 4, 1 through 3, and he says, "'What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill.'" You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. A lot in there, but look at verse 8. So why do we have quarrels? He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Now, that's where you have to be honest with yourself and say, okay, what, what desires are battling within me? Some people would say, you know, God's Spirit is telling you to go one way, but your mind, your will, your emotions, possibly your body wants to go the other way. Um, and sometimes it could be that you just desire for there to be quiet and you really don't want to talk about it, but yet there's an issue, and the other person is saying, hey, we need to talk about this. And so, if you have two people who have desires that are battling within them, that could easily cause a fight or a quarrel. Because if what if both people uh, are really desiring something that is opposite of what the other person wants? Um, and so... That could start a quarrel and a fight. And again, this doesn't have to be a major quarrel or fight. But if you have fifty quarrels and fights every week, and each of them lasts two to five minutes, that's still going to take a battle. Uh, that's going to take a, a toll on you, and there's there's going to be a battle happening on the inside of you as well as uh, the other person. So, come to terms with that and start asking God, God, what what desires are are in me, right? And then again, we go to uh, slide nine. He says, "You desire, but you don't have, so you kill." Now, yes, that could mean actually killing someone, but a lot of times it's killing the other person's spirit, trying to kill their will, trying to kill them from um, you know beating them down so that they won't talk, so that you get to win. A lot of the, com- the you know that box I showed you before, the computers like to uh, you know kill down any competition. Now, that's not everybody, uh, but in this scripture with James, he's saying, hey, these desires are, are totally um, out of control. You could have the desire, but it doesn't mean that the desire is good for you. Um, and then he slide 10, you covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Right? Um, remember when um, the day after Thanksgiving, right? Black Friday. How many times have you seen videos where people are fighting over a pair of basketball shoes because they're on sale, uh, you know, that one day and and people are like fist fighting each other because they covet it, right? Now, that is more of an outside example where everybody could see, but some of this is what's happening on the inside, right? Because sometimes in relationship, you covet maybe because of of background, you know, the way you grew up, that you you want control. And because you don't get it, you fight until you get the control. Or you want, quote-unquote, peace and quiet. And you covet it, and it doesn't happen, and so you start quarrels and fights until you get what you want. Um, You know, it's common sometimes in in marriages when a quarrel and a fight breaks out that, you know, husband and wife don't talk to each other for two or three days, right? Right. That's quarreling and fighting. You know, sometimes people think it's harsh words and and physical, but sometimes it can be the neglect part. It can be the avoiding part. And because this covetousness has not been acknowledged and um, allowing God to kind of work on it, it can cause a lot of damage that goes on and on and on. Because sometimes people think it's the, um, you know, the words and the words can be damaging. But, you know, if you're ignored... If you are um, diminished in that way where it's like, I'm not even going to talk to you, I'm not going to look at you, I'm not going to acknowledge you, that can be really just as hurtful as uh, words or physical, um, you know, that kind of of thing. And again, I want to say this too, if you're in a place where you feel like there's danger, Right. Like you're in a dangerous situation. When I'm talking about conflict, I'm talking about things that might we might be able to reasonably work our way through. But if you're at a place where you're like, hey, I I feel like I'm physically in danger, um, you know, then get additional help. Right. Get get to a place where you can be safe. So before you can start working on it, because if you're if you are in a place that's dangerous, uh, these things aren't going to work because the the next step, which if you look in um, slide 11 He says, you don't have because you don't ask God. And that's really what we have to ask ourselves is, if I'm in conflict with my spouse, with my kids, with a coworker, right? Or a friend, have I asked God? Now, sometimes this will stop a conflict because you really know that the desire that you have is not one that God's really probably going to answer. The bigger question is, is why do I have that desire in the first place? Why do I have this desire to control? Why do I have this desire uh, to win? You know, that kind of stuff. So ask God, what, what are you wanting? You know, do you, if you want peace, ask God for peace. If you want a connection, you want intimacy, then you ask for that. And because we're not, guess what? things aren't going well. And he even says in verse three, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motive. So we have to make sure that our motives are good as well, too. So you can see that a lot of what's going to help conflict is you doing some of the work on the inside of you with God, right? You can certainly do it with a counselor, with a pastor, with a mentor, with a friend, but ultimately it's... It's going to come down to you and God and saying, hey, I need some healing to take place here. But, but let's say you're in a place where you're like, okay, we uh, are both reasonable people, and, but we find ourselves in conflict. Um, how do we decrease uh, our chances of having um, conflict? If you go to slide 12, well, one is communication. And we can communicate in three ways. We can communicate with each other. We can communicate to each other, and we can communicate at each other. Um, there's another podcast on communication where I talk about this in more detail, and you can you can find that on the website. Um, but we want to minimize communicating at someone because when we communicate at someone, there it's not a two way street. We're not giving each other the opportunity to um, have a free exchange of ideas. So. If you notice that it's all one-sided and that you are either the recipient of it that way or you're the one that's giving it in a way where it's more at, then you want to move back towards to, T-O. You want to communicate to someone. And a lot of times when we're talking about how we feel or about how something happened, like we have a disagreement, we have a tendency to communicate at someone because our emotions are getting the best of us. But if we can come back to at least communicating to you, like, hey, I want to communicate to you. You could use those words. I want to communicate to you how that made me feel. I want to communicate to you my perspective on this as opposed to, well, that's the way it was. Um, The best way of communicating is communicating with. If we can get to that place, you will probably see um, some of your conflict Uh, go down because now there's a sense of uh, freedom. There's a sense of safety. There's a sense of we're exchanging um, information with each other, even if it's hard stuff. You know, a lot of times people are like, well, I don't know how to talk about this situation with somebody uh, because I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, their feelings may be hurt, but if you create an atmosphere with when you are saying to that person, I want to give you an opportunity to communicate back to me, then I think your chances go up that the conflict um, is not going to stay or not even start. Um, Another good way for that, if you go back to um, your PowerPoint slide 13, uh, is boundaries. And the reason why this decreases conflict is because it Creates responsibility for how the other person responds and yourself. So, for instance, um, a boundary that you could set with a significant other is um, we're not going to raise our voices, we're not going to yell at each other. Um, And guess what? Uh, Many conflicts probably started out as a conversation and then escalated. So, if you imagine Uh, a Likert scale of zero to 10, let's just say, or like a ruler, right? You have a ruler in front of you. You can do some self-evaluation of where you are as far as like losing your temper, getting upset, raising your voice and say, okay, where are we on a scale of zero to 10? If I'm at a zero, one, two, or three, four, I can probably still continue to have that conversation and we could probably be communicating with each other. But if it gets into the 5, 6 and 7 range, you're getting to a place where it's going to go beyond the ability to come back. And so that's where boundaries come into play. If you're if you're having a conversation and you've agreed with this other person, you know what? If 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 we start raising our voice and we're getting more emotional, we're getting upset and it gets to a 5, then we're going to stop and we'll take a walk around the the building, around the house, you know, go get a drink in the kitchen, you know, do something until it comes back down. That's a great boundary to use so that it doesn't escalate to seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, because then you're not going to be able to come back from it. It's just going to be difficult to be able to, um, you know, it's like being in a car going down hills um, at 100 miles an hour and trying to put the brakes on. Um, it's not going to happen. So the responsibility for responses is what I call this, which is, you can't say, I made you yell at me. I, you can't say, I made you um, get angry. You can say, I chose to get angry. And that's another boundary is, is that we have to take responsibility for our responses. And so that's a hard one, but that's a good one to practice because what that ends up doing is it slows things down for you because you know you're responsible. You, you don't get to say, well, it's not my fault or I don't really care how it made you feel well, then we may have to get a third party in that would help us with that if, if that's continuing. Um, another way to decrease your chance of conflict, if you go to slide 14, is forgiveness and reconciliation. And, um, you know, again, we have a podcast on this as well uh, that you can listen to, but forgiveness is really for me. So if, if you and I are in conflict and I'm forgiving you, um, that's not really about you. That's about me letting go of you so that I'm not holding it over your head I'm not ruminating on it. And that can be a difficult thing. A lot of things that keep us from forgiving are the feeling like, well, they're getting away with it or they're going to do it again. And we can overcome that, but we definitely need God's help with that to help us see things the way he sees it and to, um, you know, almost supernaturally give us that grace for someone else. Reconciliation is different. Reconciliation means that both parties need to come to the table, okay? And so... I could forgive, but reconciliation may never occur, and that's because the other party has to do their part. If both people forgive, then you are 90% of the way there because reconciliation can occur after that because you're probably willing um, to come back to the table. Um Another thing that's going to decrease the, the chance of conflict, and this is slide 15, is anger. Um, anger is something, uh, again, we talked about it uh, a minute ago. As it raises up to a seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, it's very difficult to come back from. Um, and it's hard to be really logical when you're angry because those emotions are flying. But if you, when you're in your um, calm down state, when you're not angry, um, getting awareness and understanding Um, Because anger actually masks a more vulnerable emotion. Anger usually masks a feeling of being misunderstood, being disrespected, uh, feeling vulnerable. And so if you can get an awareness and an understanding of why you respond with anger, um, you can help decrease your chance of uh, conflict. Um, Same thing, um, slide 16, is grief. Um, sometimes grieving um, the fact that a relationship is not good uh, and that you've had a lot of bad um, experiences with someone. Um, there may be some grieving that needs to take place of, hey, this relationship, especially in marriage, this relationship is not what I thought it was going to be, right? Um, the, the, the butterflies are gone and Um, you know, the the sparkle is gone maybe and there's more of a reality going on with somebody and you realize, golly, this is making me really sad that this person is not the way I thought they were going to be. Or even in yourself, you may be grieving yourself and how you've responded to things. Again, you acknowledge that this is happening and then you start healing from it. You start working on yourself. You start asking God for wisdom and discernment. And how do, Lord, how do I uh, grieve this? Uh, and and sometimes it's grieving that you had like a big blowout and that somebody um, said things to you that was very hurtful and it keeps ruminating. And you may have to grieve like uh, the, the hurt that you felt. And then on the other side, if you're the one that caused it, you may have to grieve the fact that you treated someone like that. And that can be very healing for both parties and create a lot of intimacy um, afterwards because you're more connected and there are less things that are in the way. And uh, one thing that my wife and I do a lot of times when we have conflict and we are able to overcome it uh, is I will ask the question, what could I have done differently? Because in the moment. I didn't do something. And so I'm getting her perspective on, hey, if we rewind this thing a little bit and I'm taking responsibility for my part, what could I have done differently? And we'll talk through that. And sometimes there there wasn't anything. And then she'll ask me the same question. Well, what what could I have done differently? And we're able to um, collaborate, right? We, we may have compromised in the moment. And this is going back to that slide with the boxes, but we're moving up more to that um, collaboration Uh, place. So um, another thing that's going to help you, obviously, slide seven is prayer. Um, You know, before you're having a conversation, pray. Um, If you've already had conflict and it didn't go well, then when things calm down, praying through that as well. And part of that prayer is acknowledging where you may have wronged the other person or you may have been out of control or you may have used your words as a weapon. You may have not been open to feedback, whatever it is. And then you're just asking God to um, continue to transform you into the likeness of Jesus. And he says he'll do that. And so prayer is, is obviously the best way To help with conflict because God's the one who made you. He knows how you work, He knows how you're wired. So ask Him for His help in overcoming that. Uh, And slide 18 uh, planning. Um, And what I mean by this is, I'll go back to my wife and I. Uh, First thing in the morning is not a good time for us to have a conversation because I'm not really awake. And if it's past 8.30 at night, that's not a good time for us to have a conversation because she's about to go comatose. So uh, usually for us, if it's on the weekends, um, late morning after we've been up for a little while, 11 o'clock-ish, if we have to have that kind of conversation, we try to plan it for that. Or if it's during the week and we need to talk about something, usually it's after dinner. Um, you know, we've been able to clean up the kitchen. We've been able to, to get through dinner. It's like, hey, can we have this conversation now? Some people will say, this doesn't work for me because if you tell me that we need to talk about something, I'm going to want to talk about it right then. So what you want to do is you want to be uh, aware of how you're wired. And some people are like, that's okay. We can talk about it tomorrow. But the key to this is if you go back to that scale of 1 to 10, if things are on 9, you may not be able to plan it. But as the more as you realize, hey, we need to talk about these things and, and see the value in being able to talk about these things before they get out of control, then you will be able to plan. You'll be able to go, you know what, we need to talk about our finances. We need to talk about the kids, right? We and we need to talk about job. Whatever it happens to be, talk about it before it becomes really contentious. And then I think you are giving yourself a better chance to have success and decrease uh, these chances of conflict. And then um, slide 19, you know, talk about your values. What do you value? Um, you know, making sure that mutual respect is a value that you both have. Validating one another and not um, using your words as weapons. Um The more that you are aligned in your values, the better chance you have of your conflict um, not happening. Now, what if you do have a conflict? What if you're in the middle of one? How in the world do we keep it from continuing to go on and um, causing more collateral damage? If you look at slide 20, uh, you evaluate what I call the now, Uh, The stereotypical response is that men have a better um, understanding or a better track record of staying in the now, uh, whereas women have a tendency to become historical. They need to – they talk about uh, things that led up to the now. Um, And there's a great book by Sheila Heen, H-E-E-N, called Thanks for the Feedback, which I would recommend to anyone if they're having issues with conflict – She basically says, stay on the train. Whatever train you're on, stay on it. But people have a tendency to what they call train spotting, which is jump to another train that's going somewhere else. If you go to another issue and you don't stay in the now, then the lifespan of the conflict is going to stay because now you have two, three, four, five issues. So for instance, let's say say my wife and I have finished dinner and we've put the dishes up, and the kitchen is just about clean. We're wiping down the counters. And she says, hey, can you take out the garbage? And my response is, yeah, I could, but I'm busy helping with the kitchen right now. Okay. Well, what's the now? The now is she's asked me to take the garbage out, and I've kind of pushed back a little bit. Now, here's where we can get into conflict. If she says, you know, I only asked you to do one thing and you never, and you can feel the tension already, you never do what I ask. And then my response becomes, why do you, why are you never satisfied? Why do you always have something for me to do? Why can't I just relax? I work 80 hours a week And then her response is, you don't think that I work? I have to take the kids to school. I cooked you dinner tonight. I ironed your clothes. Oh, so now you're just going to bring up everything. And guess what? We are totally away from the now. And now we are into everything, all the unresolved issues that we haven't dealt with. So what you want to do is you want to, as you feel a conflict coming on, just begin to go, are we still in the now? Are we still dealing with this topic or have we shifted to something else? Because if you shift, now your chances of the conflict being able to be resolved in a short period of time is going to lessen because now you're going to have three or four things that you have to deal with. Um, A better example of that would be if my wife asked me to take the garbage out, I just take the garbage out, right? And then we're done. Um, But what we find is is that things are, are connected to each other uh, a little bit deeper than we realize when something like that happens. So first thing we want to do is we want to evaluate the now. The second thing, if you go to slide 21, is evaluate the motive. You have to do this for yourself. Why am I saying what I'm saying and why am I responding the way I'm responding? What's my motive? So in this situation, my wife's motive was probably pretty good, was she just wanted me to take the garbage out so that the whole kitchen would be clean. By the way, this is not a true story. I'm just using it as an example. Um, But if my motive is to relax, then guess what? My motive and her motive are clashing. Now, the easy way to look at it when you're not in your emotions, is to say, Gene, she just wanted you to take the garbage out. Just take the garbage out and then you can relax. Absolutely. But in the moment, my motive might be, I want to relax now and I don't want to do it. Okay? But you have to evaluate that. You have to be honest with yourself, right? Now, once a conflict starts, if your motive, as we talked about with the boxes, if your motive is to avoid this discussion, if your motive is to win, so you're competing, um, if your motive is to... Um, You know, maybe uh, cause an argument so that other things can come up so that you can deal with them. Only you can evaluate your motive. The danger that I find in a lot of conflict is when the other person uh, assumes they know what your motive is. And so you've got to evaluate your own motive and be able to uh, come to terms with that. Because if your motive is bad, if your motive is selfish, you have to own that. Now, is there anything selfish with my wife wanting the garbage out or me wanting to um, just have some downtime? No. But at the same time, we have to understand there's some responsibility. And so we have to go, you know what? This needs to be done. And then I can go do the, the part that I want. Um, which in this case would be to relax. And then um, if you go to slide 22, you evaluate what I call the player. And what I mean by that is um, what is, if you think of a record player, if you want to do that, like what is the song that's being played? And if it's a very common song, if the player is playing the same record over and over again, then you need to be aware that, hey, we've been in this circle before. We've done this many, many times. This feels vaguely familiar or it feels very familiar. And then what you'll find is you'll start using words like always and never. You never listen to me. You always want to fight. And then and as we were talking about evaluating the now, you have a hard time evaluating the now because the record player is playing, because the song is playing again, because the, um, you know, like when you go home and you go home the same way every day, you're on the interstate and then you're on a side road, that happens in conflict. And so you want to be aware of, hey, wait a minute, let me pull, and those of you that are older will get this, if you're younger, you may struggle, but that's when you take the needle off the record. Okay. You take it off and you don't allow the player to continue to play. You want to change the song, so to speak. Okay. And so all of these things take some practice. And here's what I would say to you as we're ending is, um, try it. And if you have tried it and you go, man, that thing failed spectacularly, here's what I would say to you is, is that that's part of growing. And so you would rather try it and have an opportunity for something different to happen than to not and you know what's going to happen. Um, and again, this could be where um, a counselor, a pastor, a mentor could – or even a, you know, if you're married and you, you have a, a, a couple of uh, friends – They may be able to come and say, "Hey, you know, we can put some fresh eyes and fresh ears on this thing, and we might be able to help you with, you know, just one uh, change that could make a huge difference." So, um, you know, do, do I like conflict? No, but here's the thing about conflict: is sometimes conflict can bring greater understanding and some healing. And we can be in a different place tomorrow than we are today if we resolve even one conflict. So um, again, uh, at the end of this, if you feel like you need more than beyond today, you can get in touch with us at, at the church, and, and that information is going to be at the end here. And so I want to pray for you and uh, let you get on with the rest of your day, wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. But uh, thank you for uh, joining me today. And uh, with that, I'll pray. God, thank you again for another opportunity to, uh, Lord, share with uh, others who you are and how you have um, used your word and your spirit to, to lead and guide us. And God, I pray for the people who may be struggling with conflict, God, that you would give them um, awareness of what that path looks like to have a different uh, outcome to things, a, a different perspective. And God, I pray that you would... Um, Heal where healing is needed, that you will give those ears to hear and those eyes to see what you, you come from you. And that um, as that happens, Lord, that um, relationships and marriages and friendships would strengthen because uh, there's more of a collaboration between the two people involved or the family involved than there is avoiding or competing or just trying to accommodate. And uh, God, we will certainly give you the glory and the honor and the praise for that. And we thank you um, for uh, your wisdom that you give to us. And uh, Jesus, as always, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Because without it, uh, we don't have uh, access to you or to the Father or His Spirit. And uh, it's in Your name that we pray. Amen. So, thank you for listening, and I uh, hope you guys have a great day. Thanks again for listening to Care Ministries podcast from Brookwood Church. If you would like more information about today's topic or you need support, you can call us at eight six four. 688 or email us at careministries at brookwoodchurch.org To find out more about what Care Ministries offers, please visit www.brookwoodchurch.org slash care We'd love to be an encouragement to you as we walk together in a healing relationship with Christ. Until next time, God bless.